Good morning, Vietnam. Good morning, Vietnam. This is episode 18 of Nick the American, and I want to say hello to everybody out there in Vietnam and all across the world. Nick the American is back. And please, don't forget, we are now on YouTube, so if you want to watch the show um, with video, you can do that. You can do that. You don't just have to listen to me. And I know Hotshot Scott, our producer, he's been putting up some fun clips while I'm talking. He's he's excited about it, as am I. And eventually, I'm uh, recruiting a group of youngsters, high school kids, who know how to do the TikTok and Snapchat. We'll, we'll eventually start marketing this son of a bitch, because that's the ultimate goal, to get more than 100 listeners. 100 faithful listeners, the, the faithful 39, or how many faithful listeners we do have. But please, check us out on YouTube. I'd appreciate it. That'd be wonderful. But let's get into it. Let's get into it. We discussed the GOP primary uh, debates last week. We introduced the Field of Eight. Gave them a wonder, wonderful introduction. I, I, I think I did. But uh, let's let's discuss, let's recap a little bit, uh, a couple of the highlights. Basically, I really want to talk about three candidates that... that if I'm, I'm a football coach now, and part of your job as a football coach is to identify talent. I try to identify the young freshmen who are our varsity core there, who are our sophomores, or, you know, obviously who's the, 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 the varsity kids that are starting. Um, but you evaluate and you recognize talent, and then you try to cultivate it. So I want to recognize three Republican debaters, okay, that I was impressed with. I was impressed with. So let's first talk with, I think the, the, the gentleman who won the debate, I think it was Vivek Ramaswamy. And I'm not sure he, I, I'm looking at some, some, some of the, the post-debate polls, and he didn't really jump in the polls, maybe a little bit. But I think his intelligence was on display. This Indian-American with as he said, the funny name, he, he stole a line from Obama in the debate. Chris Christie got after him on it, called him an amateur, called Obama an amateur. Me and Chris Christie can agree to disagree. But Vivek is, is quick-witted. He's incredibly intelligent. He's, he's, he's a savant in terms of intelligence, I believe. He's 38. He's a little green. But overall, just listening to him on interviews, he is sharp as shit. There is no doubt. I can't recall a Republican nominee for president being this sharp. Now, he's green. He's 38. Okay? And he got that pointed out to him a few times, Mike Pence in particular, on the pardons. But Vivek seemed to take, you had even even people like Nikki Haley, who aren't total Trump bashers, they still managed to get in their digs with Trump. Not Vivek. Not Vivek. He called Trump the greatest president of the 21st century. Trump loved that and shouted out to him on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it is. He, let's see here, what else did Vivek do? Vivek wanted a pledge from all the Republicans on stage to pardon Trump on day one. Which then Mike Pence explained, you know, kind of highlighted a little bit of his greenness, saying, I'm a governor of Indiana and I've given pardons and there's got to be contrition and admission of guilt and... He walked Vivek through the actual process. It's not just as easy as, 
hey, let's pledge to pardon him on day one. And, you know, Mike Pence was like, hey, that's just not quite how it works. And I know that because I've pardoned people. But so Vivek's highly intelligent, super duper quick, super smart, little green, but he pandered to the king. And so I was thinking, you know, as I'm watching the debate, I didn't get to watch it live because I was at football practice, damn it. But I came home and, 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 and turned it on. But I was thinking, this guy, he's too young to be president. I'm not sure he would play in the totality of a Republican base, being an Indian American with his name, just his look. Hey, let's just be real here. The Republican Party is a white party. And I'm not trying to get all political. I'm, I'm praising Vivek for how smart he is. And so I'm wondering, is he jockeying for position in a future Republican Party? That was my take. He was pandering to the king, and the king loves it. Does Vivek want to be his VP? To me, that was what I was watching. I, I thought, I think Vivek would love to be Trump's VP and try to play back. Mike Pence was Trump's VP, and he was so loyal to Trump, so loyal to Trump, all the way up until he refused to just, in front of the Senate and in the House, hand over the presidency or create complete chaos with the fake electoral documents that he was supposed to submit as, as, as real and not counterfeit. So... Hence thought, hey, I'm going to be, uh, I, I'm next in line. I'm next in line. I've been loyal to Don. Don will have his turn, and then he will throw his support behind um, this man, Mike Pence, who's been so loyal. So is Vivek going to try to run that back? I'll be your loyal VP. So, and another question I have for Vivek, I'm just curious here. Vivek, if you're listening, you, I'm sure you are. I get it. So you want to pardon Trump on day one. I And, and your reasoning being saying, I, I want to unite the country, and I can't do that if Trump's in jail. It would be better for the country. It would be better for my presidency in, in, in just overall getting things done if Donald Trump is pardoned, he's not in jail. I can work to unite the country that way. And so if that is true, let's say Joe Biden got indicted tomorrow on, you know, two separate felony charges. Trump's got four separate felony indictments. Let's say, let's say Biden gets nailed. Let's, let's say Biden's going to go to jail. Would, would the same rules apply, Vivek? I'm curious. Or is this just a partisan thing? I love Trump. I want to pander to Trump. If by something, some sort of similar charge, not murder, some sort of similar charge Joe Biden gets nailed with. Say, oh my God, Joe Biden got money. Let's say, let's say um, Burisma in Ukraine, the energy company in Ukraine paid Joe Biden. We found out there was, actually, there was a $10 million payment to Joe Biden while his son was on the board. I'd be done with Joe Biden, 100%, 100%. If that were the case, I wouldn't pander. I would not pander to someone who's got a, a felony charge like that against them. Now, obviously, there's, a, there's, there's, there's court. You get your day in court, and you get to defend yourself, as will Donald Trump. But 
would Vivek pardon Joe Biden in the sake of bringing the country together? Or is it just just his king, just the mad king? I don't know. There's, so there's my question for Vivek. Is it just Trump or would you pardon a Democratic presidential, uh, you know, a former president in the sake of, you know, serendipity and your presidency and bringing everything together? I don't know. So anyways, all right, enough about Vivek. I think Vivek won the debate. I think Vivek was the star. Everyone was coming after Vivek. Great position to be in, young 38-year-old pup. I like it. Good job. Now, I was also impressed with Nikki Haley. Um, I thought Nikki Haley just seemed, very, you know, very together. She's been, she was, I believe, the first candidate on stage to to say she was running for president. She was uh, the ambassador to United Nations, I believe. I think Scott, if you watch the YouTube channel, he, you know, he corrected me on that. I think I called her like direct, you know, Homeland Security or some shit like that. And, you know, you know Nick the American sometimes Nick the moron. Okay, okay. But Nikki Haley was really good. And I could see her, her gaining in the polls. I think she did get a bump. I think she got a bump. Um, so I was just, my feeling toward Nikki Haley was, was, was one of, you know, overall goodness. I was impressed with her. I thought she looked very, very good. I also thought Mike Pence, and I'm not a giant Mike, he's just, Mike Pence is too conservative for me. He wants a federal abortion ban, and he's not afraid to say it. And so good for him, because so many Republicans kind of skirt around the abortion issue because they've seen what's happened in certain states. We've covered it, what happened in Kansas. It's not something that they want on the ballot in 2024. Mike Pence went the other way. Mike Pence is saying, oh, no, people want this. People want this. And Okay, be careful what you wish for, Mike. But to his credit, he's got principles. He showed that on January 6th. And, and, and you know, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, Mike Pence is definitely, a, you know, a, a, a hard conservative. He's got a hard line on abortion. And I respect him for not whitewashing or scrubbing his opinions and sticking to his guns. I don't think that's a winning strategy. But Mike Pence is a pro. I thought he was really good in the vice presidential debates with Kamala Harris. Not that Kamala was bad, but I thought Mike Pence was better. I thought he was good. I thought he was really good. I thought he was really good on the debate stage. He's got a ton of experience. He's got a real good demeanor about him. I thought his comeback against Vivek with regards to Trump's pardons was spot on. It was just, hey, I've been there, buddy. So he might not be as quick as Vivek, but he's he's sharp, he's quick, he's just a professional. So I don't think he stands any chance of winning the nomination. I would give Nikki Haley the best shot of the three. I really would. I think Vivek's going to be the VP. I think Pence was thinking, my goodness, Donald, I've been so loyal to you, you son of a bitch. Can't... Can you reciprocate at all? Can you reciprocate at all? And he can't. He can't. He's going to be president or he's going to run for president until essentially he's dead. He's dead. So we'll see how it goes. But Vivek, Haley, Pence, those are the three names that stood out to me. I guess I should talk about Ronnie DeSantis. I don't think it was a good night for him. I think 
jeez. I, I, I mean, he wants to bring up Hunter. Hunter Biden's getting money for paintings. Too much money for paintings. Oh, my God. Maybe we should impeach Joe for it. He just was not very good. His campaign is literally going into the fucking toilet. And I'm not sure, you know, what he can do to save it. You, you, in, in electoral politics, in a debate like that, you, you, the cream rises to the top. You kind of see who has the goods and who doesn't. And I think it, it's fair to say at this point, he's been campaigning long enough. Ron DeSantis does not have the goods right now to be president. You're a Republican. Go home to Florida. Govern your state. Give opposing views on slavery in schools, Ron. Maybe you can um, continue your fight with Disney, you dummy. But uh, I don't think it was a good night for Ron. I don't think uh, it's going to be a, a, a good next several months for Ron DeSantis. But uh, there you go. There's the Republican primary debate recap for you there, folks, for you. I want to talk about another Republican slash Democrat. I want to talk about Ivanka Trump. Just real quick. Really quick. <coughs> Excuse me. I always thought, when you, when you look at Ivanka, you look at Don Jr. and you look at Eric. And uh, I, I, the other one who's younger and completely out of the spotlight. Ivanka Trump seems to have the best. She's got that gift to gab a little bit that, that her father has, but she's got she's so reserved. She seems highly intelligent. She seems to be kind of a, a much more refined version of her father, uh, which if Trump was refined, he'd have beaten Biden. If Trump could have adapted, he would have beaten Biden. Ivanka Trump seems to be able to do all of these things. I think she can be refined. She can adapt. She knows when to open her mouth. She knows when to shut her mouth. She knows when to walk away. She knows when to run. The other two, the, the, her other two siblings, they're they're pure surrogates for Trump and the and the, the mega world. And I'm sure they've made a bunch of money off of of doing that. They've become highly popular, highly polarizing as well. Ivanka Trump probably ran in a ton of liberal circles, friendship circles, stuff like that. And I'm sure having an office in in the in the West Wing probably didn't help her. I remember, you know, people constantly, as her dad would say, crazy things, um, divisive things. Ivanka was able to just kind of go under, you know, you know, be under the radar. Her and her husband, Jared Kushner, the, the chief of everything. Whereas the two boys, it doesn't matter what dad says. We defend it 100 miles an hour. Ivanka's much different. Much different. And 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 they call and a lot of people called her complicit. She's complicit. She needs to stand up to her dad. And that and, and, and she'd probably in a, you know, after a couple of cocktails, you sit down and talk with her. She'd be like, stand up to him. Are you serious? He'll call me a, he'll just lambast me and, and, and shun me from the family. So Ivanka's job was very difficult. Being the daughter of the president, working with him in the West Wing, she had to toe the line. She had to thread the needle. And I thought she did a really good job. She was not liberal Democrats. She was not going to stand up and 
and and tell you what a dumbass her dad was. She knows she knows he's nuts, right? We all know our parents, you know, their their strengths and weaknesses. Our kids know a lot of our strengths and weaknesses as parents. She's no different. She's a human being. She's got a father. And 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 she knows when to stay out of his way and and when probably to influence him. But we always thought of Ivanka as Donald's favorite. And I thought I thought when Trump was first president, he will be grooming Ivanka to become president. Now keep in mind, pre-2018, this is Trump's president. She was a registered Democrat. Let me say that again. She was a Ivanka Trump was a registered Democrat. She switched party affiliation. So I think she had the ability to see both sides. No question about it. I think she would have her her demeanor. She could have she could have slid into next in line type stuff in terms of a Republican, potential Republican president. If her father, if the Mad King was willing to give up his throne. Now, you know, on one hand, I say she was in liberal circles and she probably, you know, got shunned from a lot of those circles and she wanted her life back. Totally understandable. Totally understandable. Michelle Obama wanted the hell out of the Oval Office. She wanted her life back. When when Michelle Obama, when, when Brock was running, oh, he's too green, he'll have to go next time. Michelle was like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not doing this again. We're not doing this again. Where Trump is, is willing to do this over and over and over. This will be his third time he's running. If, if Trump wasn't so self-absorbed, Maybe he cared about the Trump name and not just Donald Trump, the first name. He could he, he could have slid out of there after his loss to Joe Biden. If he was much more sane, he could have moved Ivanka right into that role. And I think Ivanka would have captured a lot of independence. They would have seen her as the perfect Trump, if that's possible. Now, we don't get to hear Ivanka enough. I'm not saying that, oh, she would have won. She would have been formidable. She would have been formidable. But if you think of the Trumps like the Targaryen family in Game of Thrones, the Mad King was not putting his daughter next in line. The Mad King is going to live forever. And unless somebody stabs him in the back, he ain't leaving. So there was no, there was no plan of succession. Mike Pence thought it was him. I like Ivanka. I thought it should have been her. I thought they should have groomed her to be maybe the next presidential nominee. It would have been interesting. But, uh, you know, and I, I, I just have to bring this up. It just makes me crack up sometimes. I mean, let's not forget. Let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen. Trump viewed Ivanka as the female version of him. Every, she's the female version of Donald Trump. And of course, Donald Trump would want to fuck the female version of Donald Trump. If Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. You know? <laughs> Stop it. Oh, it's so weird. Stop You know it. what? You are sick. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're terrible. known for saying is outrageous things, Mr. Just Trump. Like we heard Donald, we've heard Donald Trump multiple times out on the campaign trail or on a TV talk show. Well, you know, Ivanka, if she wasn't my daughter, well, you know, which like makes the hair on my back stand up. 
I have a nine-year-old daughter, Campbell. Let me let me try that. Let me try that. Oh, you know Campbell. She's a she, God. She's a good-looking girl. If she wasn't my daughter, well, you know, you know what would happen. Yeah! Ooh, one down. I know somebody who won't be having any. Oh God. I I just said that. Strike that. I never want to say that. That's disgusting. But Donald Trump is so self-absorbed. He looked at his daughter. She is, oh, she's gorgeous. She's got a great body. She's smart. She's intelligent. She's got wonderful tits. Wonderful tits. I help make those tits. Those are part mine. And he wanted to bang his daughter. But he was too damn self-absorbed to maybe give his daughter a crack at the pie. He took, he, 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 you know, I don't know. I don't know. I wanted Ivanka Trump. I like Ivanka Trump. I'd like to hear more from Ivanka Trump. She's everything I think Donald isn't. She, she's, you know, she's a, a, a wonderful version of Donald Trump. And even Trump will tell you, right? If, it, if she wasn't my daughter, <laughs> which is just so disgusting. It's just so disgusting. And he's done it multiple times. He's done it multiple times. So I just wanted to talk about Ivanka. Ivanka, I never I never cried and whined and said you were complicit. Complicit. I didn't. I understand what a, what a tough spot you were in. I knew what a tough spot you were in. But I wish your father would have recognized it. I wish he would have helped you a little bit more. So Ivanka Trump, I think she's done with politics. Done with politics. Talk about her being president. She couldn't get it. When he lost the election, She could, her and Jared could not get out of there fast enough to reboot their lives. So, anyways, let's talk a little baseball. And let's, let, let, let's talk Northwest baseball, baby. Let's talk the hottest team in Major League Baseball. The baseball team that has never been to a World Series. Could only be talking about one team, right? I mean, come on. Talking about the Seattle Mariners. Man, they're like 35 and 14 or some shit since July 1st. They were 50 and 50, hovering around 500 the entire damn year. Great pitching staff. Nobody could hit. Not even our young superstar phenom, Julio Rodriguez. But holy moly, has Julio started hitting. He's almost batting 290 now. He was batting like 240. This is late in the year. You don't change averages 40 points, 50 points. Julio has. He got 17 hits in four games. Set a Major League Baseball record. So the ball is jumping off this kid's bat. And I know I got folks on the East Coast. I got people in the South. I got people in the Midwest listening to this show, okay? If you have not seen Julio Rodriguez play baseball, it is a treat. We used to have King Griffey Jr. here, and Griffey would play baseball with a grin from ear to ear sometimes. They called him the kid. Julio, even when he was slumping, he is the most positive, energetic young superstar Maybe in baseball history, he can do everything. He's a five-tool player. He literally can do everything. And so, take a note of the Seattle Mariners. We're coming. We actually were in, and uh, we just dropped a game last night to the A's, three to one. Yikes, you don't lose to the A's. However, 
they move, you know, when you, when you go to a baseball stadium, the, the pennants are up of who's in first, who's in second, who's in third. The Seattle Mayor, we were in sole possession of first place ahead of Texas. We caught Texas and ahead of Houston. We were in sole, get this, folks. We were in sole possession of first place in the American League West for the first time since 2003. It has been really tough to be a Mariner fan. It has been extremely difficult. I've been going to games with my dad and my brother since I was seven years old in the kingdom. We used to go and sometimes there was 5,000 fans in, in, in the dome. You could pick any seat you wanted. Seattle's a baseball town. It is a baseball town, no doubt. I, I'm not, I don't know if it's a football town or, or a baseball town more, but we're virgins when it comes to baseball. We want that World Series so bad. And so we're literally, it, it was a Tuesday night last night. It was, it was damn near close to a sellout on a Tuesday night. There was like 38,000 people on a Monday night the day before for the worst team in baseball coming into town. So please, baseball gods, shine down on us. Be good to us. Take us to the World Series. Watch the Seattle Mariners. Take special note of our superstar, Julio Rodriguez. He's 22 freaking years old. Woo! All right. So, you know, I was just browsing the internet. I saw uh, former Texas governor Rick Perry and uh, presidential wannabe Rick Perry. Super smart Rick Perry. I'm kidding. He's not that not that bright, but he's all for psychedelic mushrooms, the legalization of psychedelic mushrooms. I'm like, man, a conservative. Holy moly, I like it. And I know there was there's legislation being brought up in New York, I think maybe Colorado, other states, where like marijuana, mushrooms is it, it's going to be legalized. It's going to start being legalized. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. If you go into a you know a pot shop now. And you walk in and you see, are there like 2,000 SKUs, 3,000 SKUs in one of your local marijuana shops? You can drink it. You can eat it. There's a cartridge. There's old school weed like you used to buy from your drug dealer. There, there's alcohol mixes. I mean, it comes in so many different forms. There's so many different products, so many different percentages. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's very overwhelming. And I'm wondering, the mushroom, the mushroom industry, it's going to take on the same type of, you know, you, you know, same type of, of a business state. Are there going to be, is it going to be a marijuana shop and a psychedelic shop? Are they going to combine? Or are we going to have, oh, there's a pot shop and there's a, there's a magic mushroom shop. What's that going to look like? Are you going to walk in at first and be, there's going to be like three SKUs like there was in a marijuana shop? I remember literally there was like two options if you walked into a marijuana shop. Now there's a million. Are there going to be options? Are, are you going to walk in? There's going to be 3,000 different types of mushroom skews. I don't know. And I'm not a pro on mushrooms. I don't know the varying degrees um, of, of dose and how it could help you health-wise. All you know, Getting your mind right. We'd have to talk to Aaron Rodgers, how it worked for him. But I do have a mushroom story for you. I do have a mushroom story. I'm going to take you back to my college years when I tried mushrooms. Basically, I, I tried it in tea a little bit after that. 
and I don't really recall how that went, but it, 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 it was a real light dose. But the, the basically the time I tried mushrooms in college, we had a guy named Johnny T. And if you went to Central Washington University, you knew who Johnny T was. He was a legend. And so Johnny was like a mad scientist. And so what he did was he started growing what cabenzi mushrooms in his closet. And I don't know, it took several months. And these were his babies. And we were in his circle, you know, we were in his, his group of friends, his circle, Johnny T's circle. And he was telling us for months how we're going to take mushrooms. We're going to take mushrooms. We're going to shut a couple houses down. There's going to be 10 of us and we're just going to take some magic mushrooms. Great. Well, and he would be so proud. He would bring us up to his closet with his lights and show us, ooh, what's growing? What's growing? And so fast forward, the day was there and John wanted, Johnny T wanted us not to eat for 24 hours. Okay. This is where we took the, the magic mushroom experience to the umpteenth degree. We really had a Boy, holy moly, we had an experience. So we didn't eat for 24 hours. And then he gave us this over-the-counter drug called Rue. I believe, that, I mean, bear with me, I'm tw I was 21 years old. I'm 44 now, okay? But I still remember this experience. He gave us this over-the-counter drug to clear our systems out. Because he's reading about it on the internet. He wants us to get to level five, like total loss of all consciousness while being conscious. Okay, Johnny. Okay. So we don't eat. We take this drug to clean out our system. And then we eat way too much mushrooms. We eat a ton. Everybody has a ton. We've got mushrooms, you know, in supply, right? We've got a mushroom farm up in his closet. And for the first hour, I remember nothing really happened. Everyone's like, whoa, what's going on? What's going on? And I remember walking with the 10 of us, I think there was about 10 of us that took it. And we, we, hey, and I'm not promoting drugs. This is not, when I was in college, we did not do hard drugs. We smoked a little pot and we drank. We didn't do cocaine. I never even saw it, okay? We didn't do ecstasy. We were pretty straight laced outside of this mushroom thing. I'm not promoting drugs. I'm giving you my experience and Maybe you can take that experience and learn from it. Maybe you can go on the same trip I did. But anyways, we were all frustrated. We're not feeling anything. We walked in. I remember walking into the 18th Street Deli at Central. And all of a sudden, the bright lights hit you. Like, holy moly. And we were only in there for five minutes. And it was kicking in. And we had to get the hell out of there. So the best way I can describe this trip was over the course of the next five or six hours, you go from basically zero years old, one year old, at the beginning of your trip when you're really, when it is fire, and then you go, you go to two years old, and then three years old, and then four years old, and then five years old. You don't know what anything is. You, you pick up a pen and you're like, what is this? Picked up a phone and said hello and heard your echo. And you were like, oh, what? Going outside for just moments was like you were in the African jungle. Or maybe not even the African jungle, jungle with the cars and the trees. You were like, is this apocalyptic times? Nothing made sense. Absolutely nothing made sense. 
And so over the course of five or six, five or six hours, it lasts a long time. You grow up. When you're in your final stages and when you're in your hour four or five, five or six, you're, you're 15 or 16. You're, you're, you're growing up and you recall there's no blacking out, at least with my experience and my friend's experience. There was no blacking out. It was just you were a five-year-old looking around, not knowing what anything was. Okay, Here, I was in the bathroom. I'll show you. Nick the American, Nick the moron. I'm in the bathroom looking in the mirror, which is just totally tripping you out. And my girlfriend at the time, Kimberly, who became my wife, she's at Wazoo. And when she was in the fourth grade, her father passed away. Okay. I'm in the bathroom in the mirror. And I never met him. Obviously, I never met him. I never got to meet him. I'm having a conversation with Ernie Kaler, her father. Like, Okay, Nick. And I take it to another level. You know what I do? I pick up the phone and I call my future wife of 20 years, by the way. We've been married 20 years. I call her and I say, hey, okay, guess what? What? I'm talking to your dad. She should have dumped me right there probably. Okay. So it was a wild and crazy experience. We went to level five, as Johnny T explained it, with regards to the mushrooms, total loss of consciousness while being conscious. The best way I can describe it is I went from zero to 21 years old in five or six hours, however long it lasted. It lasted a long time. And I remember laying down in bed, laying down in bed, exhausted, totally sober and exhausted and being able to recall everything that happened during the night. It wasn't like I blacked out. It was an incredible experience. And what mu mushrooms will open doors in your brain, make you think about things that never, that these doors in your brain never get opened. And so you don't need to go to level five and not eat for 24 hours and, and take a, 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 an eighth of mushrooms or whatever the hell we took each. I'm curious to see what the benefits are to mushrooms, what kind of skews they're going to be, the doses, the benefits, all that sort of stuff. So I look forward to, you know, maybe trying an energy shot of mushrooms that's really low dose. I don't know, but I've never I have I haven't I haven't taken mushrooms since. I had I had a tea a little bit after that. Here here's the thing. So Johnny had all these mushrooms. Did I want to did I want to do it again? No, no, I was good. I was like, th th it wasn't addictive. This wasn't, oh yeah, we're going to do mushrooms every, you know, every, every couple of days. It's not like that. It's not like that. Now, maybe at lower doses, there's some benefit where you could get hooked on it. I don't know, but uh, I'm curious to see, is Colorado going to legalize it? Is New York going to legalize it? Is the state of Washington going to legalize it? We're going to have, we're probably going to have states where you've got a magic mushroom shop and a weed shop and other states still, um, they'll lock you up for marijuana. So we'll see how it goes. There's my story. I don't condone hardcore drug use and I do not consider mushrooms a hardcore drug. It was a, a, a once in a lifetime type of drug. That's how I treated it. And a week later or two weeks later, it was like, 
did you want to go on that trip again? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So the if there's youth that listen to this show, hey, if you're in college, be smart. Lock yourself up in a house. You do not want to be around people who are not on it either. That's the last thing. You want to be with friends, people you love. You want to be in a condensed, confined space. And go have the time of your life. And I promise you, 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 you'll probably be like me, and you'll probably be good after that. So, anyways. All right. You know, I got to bring this up. I've been meaning, you know, I, I, I watch this movie every single time it's on. Every single time it's on. My family loves it. The first time I saw this movie, I was on an airplane. And I'm scrolling through the movies, and I see this movie. Crazy Rich Asians. And I thought, because I'd heard about the movie. I, I didn't know it was actually a movie. I thought it was a fucking reality show about crazy rich Asians. Right? Well, it was a movie. And every time this movie's on, I stop and I watch. If you haven't seen Crazy Rich Asians, please do yourself a favor. If you want to laugh out loud multiple times throughout a movie, Crazy Rich Asians is your movie. If you want to cry, and I like to cry, cry during movies, especially on airplanes. My goodness, I get I get emotional on airplanes. I think I, I want to go home. But if you want to cry multiple times in a movie, Crazy Rich Asians is your movie. And if you've watched the movie as much as me, why the fuck is there not been a sequel? We need Crazy Rich Asians too. It's my num- number one thing on my list. Hollywood, whoever's the producers, I want Crazy Rich Asians too. I want to know who Nick Young's father is. Who is this dude? I want to know who um, um, Chu, Rachel Chu. What kind of Chu are you? What Chu are you? I want to know who's Rachel who Rachel Chu's mom. Who is this dad, this bad, bad dad that, that was going to go get her? I think they're both... Super powerful people in Singapore that that maybe their paths had crossed, right? Rachel and Nick, if you haven't seen the movie, they end up getting engaged. It's a wonderful love story. It is a wonderful movie. If you want to laugh, if you want to cry, I'm telling you, Crazy Rich Asians is your movie. Please, if you do one thing after this podcast, go watch Crazy Rich Asians. Fucking love it. I need Crazy Rich Asians too. Please, I want to know who Nick Young's dad is. Anyways, Little League World Series recap. Oh, man, was I wrong. God, I'm always wrong. I'm always wrong. But, hey, Northeast Seattle Little League stand up. They uh, lost a heartbreaker to Needville, Texas. One to nothing in eight or nine innings. I had to go to football practice. I I couldn't catch the end of it. They got a runner thrown out at the plate. It was... uh, just it was 0-0. The final score was one to zero. Needville went on to uh, ultimately play California in uh, the American Championship. And California, you know, I, I talked about the American side being meh, and I thought it kind of was. And California woke up a little bit. California, where Texas and Northeast Seattle Little League, they didn't have quite the offense they needed. California had a couple of big boppers. Lewis Lappy, stand up, young man. Uh, bombing. He got multiple huge home runs. 
But uh, they were able to beat Needville, Texas, I think on a lappy home run. And then I had talked about how the international side seemed to be, you know, I thought four teams, five teams maybe were better than any of the American teams. And I talked about Chinese Taipei and this pitcher throwing 81 miles an hour. Well, Curacao, who had like four or five returning 11-year-olds that were now 12 to their Curacao team, beat them two to nothing. I don't believe they threw their ace. And they play, you know, Chinese Taipei played for tomorrow a little bit. And they ended up losing two to nothing. And so that was baffling to me that, that Taipei was not there. I would have mortgaged my house that Chinese Taipei was going to be there. They lost two to nothing to Curacao. So you had Curacao and Texas in the final. And Louis Lappy and the California team and those bats came up big and they ended up beating them 5-4, I believe. Again, I've been so obsessed and so entrenched in football that uh, I couldn't watch the Little League World Series as much as I wanted to, but I did follow the hell out of it. California, El Segundo Little League, stand up. You you are world Little League World Series champions. Looks like the international side wasn't quite as good as I thought, but they were still damn good. They, I think overall, in Taipei, with their 81-mile-an-hour pitcher, it was, it was going to be tough to beat them. And we kind of what I thought was going to play out – Needville, Texas played Taipei in the consolation game, and they 10-run them. They 10-run them. So that's what I kind of thought was going to happen in the American final with Taipei. But Taipei wasn't there. Curacao was there. And El Segundo Little League from Southern California won it. Just awesome. I love the Little League World Series. Nothing is more American. Okay. Now, high school football. High school football, it's game week. I am... Five times better coach than I was when I started. Next season, I'm going to be even a better coach. I've told you, we've got young coaches on the staff I'm learning a lot from. We've got two real pros in Coach Bennett and Coach Hartline who, who run the offense and the defense. They've been doing this for 20-plus for years. So I've learned a ton. I've got to control my nerves, my excitement. I've got to get my defensive line ready to play football, my offensive line ready to play football. So it's going to be a challenge, but I'm looking forward to Friday night, and I'm looking forward to many more Friday nights to come. So it's been a lifelong dream of mine. And I, on, on Friday night, this coming Friday, I'm about at 7 o'clock. I'm going to fulfill a dream. We win, we lose, whatever, right? Now, obviously, I want to win. I'm all about winning. But I get to fulfill a, a dream of mine. I'm back at Renton Stadium. For the first time since 1997 when I played my last game for the very same high school, Hazen High School. So I'm super excited. I'll let you know how it goes. I will definitely keep you updated on the, the highs and the lows. And there certainly will be both of a high school football team. We're certainly not going to win the state championship. That's for sure. That's for sure. We don't have enough dudes. But we'll see. I've got both of my boys. Scott, show that picture. I've got, I'm coaching with both of my boys, so check it out on YouTube if you want to see a picture with me and my boys at practice, Carter and Spencer. Um, just making memories, making memories. I'm excited, I'm excited. So, All right, lastly, um, so I've contacted, I, I've got all, the, all these wonderful people that I've contacted. The show is coming to an end, but I want to invite every, I, I'm going to announce your name, and if your name is called, I want you to come up on stage 
We've rehearsed a wonderful song for you guys in, in the spirit of unity, in the spirit of the United States. We are one tough-ass country. We're a smart country. We're a divided country at times. But we know, by listening to Nick the American, that which unites us is so much greater than that which, you divide, that, that which divides us. I never get that out right, damn it. God. But if, all right, so here I go. If I call your name, if I call your name, I need you to come up on stage. Dolly Parton, get, hey, get those big fake titties up here. Let's go. Come on up on stage. Alec Baldwin, you have been selected. Get up here, Alec. Come on. Come on, buddy. No one's convicted you of anything yet. You are a great American. Sean Hannity, would you get up here, please? Get up here. Come on, Sean. Come on. Get right up in front. All right? Hey, Nancy Pelosi and John Boehner, I want both of you. But Hey, do me a favor. As you come up on stage, hold hands, you two. Hold hands. John, don't try and kiss her. She's liable to smack you. Okay? Hey, I need the boss, Bruce Springsteen. You come up on stage, baby. Bruce, can we get you? Here he comes. Here comes the boss. Kid Rock. Kid Rock, would you please get your ass up here? Yeah. Oh, my God. You're not going to fucking believe this, you guys. Kid Rock is drinking a Bud Light, baby. Yes. High five. There we go. There we go, kid. Bill Maher. Come on, Bill. Get your butt up here. Come on, your intelligent ass. Let's go. Uh, hey, hey. Yo, this is a trio here. Garth Brooks, Jason Aldean, and Tim McGraw. Would you please come up on stage? Okay. Yep, that's right. We're singing our, We're singing a song. Let's go. Hey, Beyonce and Jay-Z. Come on, you power couple. Yeah, you like Obama and Michelle. Come on, get up here, you African-American power couple. Let's go. Tiger Woods. Come on. Come on. Everybody loves you. Nobody unites more than Tiger. Let's go. Mitt Romney, baby. Come on, Mitt. Voice of reason in your party. Plus, we want Mormons listening to this too. Get up on stage, please, Mitt Romney. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Oh my, I cannot believe you guys came. That is so awesome. Look at, when's the last time you two were together? When you were winning Super Bowls? Hey, get up here. Use your vocals to unite the country. Here we go. Hey, Bruce Jenner. And Caitlyn Jenner, one of you or both of you, or I, I don't know. Caitlyn Jenner, get up here on stage. We need a conservative transgender, right? Get up here. Kim Kardashian, come on. You're not left or right. Hey, we did not invite Kanye, Kim. It's okay. Get up here. Get up here. There we go. All right, Kim. Hey, Chuck Norris. Get up here, you American badass. Two-thirds of the world is covered by uh, water. One-third of the country is covered by you, Chuck Norris. And last but not least, before we begin this wonderful song and we begin to restore sanity and unity to the United States of America, Bill Walton, the legendary Bill Walton, get your big seven-foot ass up on stage. Now, we're going to play a special song for y'all. This is episode 18. Nick the American is done. Scott, play the song. 
take it away. Everybody, hey, Sean, Hannity, get up front. I want you singing, okay? Everybody, everybody knows the rules. We talked about this. I'm out. Let's go. Nick the American, love you.